I'm Billy Hollowell, and welcome to the Prodigal Stories podcast, a show where Trey Goines Phillips and I take you through some of the most powerful stories of the day, stories of hope, transformation, and intrigue. On today's episode, we welcome Laura Beth Perry, a woman who lived for years as a transgender man before coming to Christ and fully embracing her femininity. With no further ado, let's welcome Laura to the Prodigal Stories podcast. Laura, how's it going today? Oh, it's going good. Thank you for having me back on. Yeah, no, I I love your story. I love your story of redemption, and I want to go through it because I know some people might not know it. They might not be familiar with it. It's a really incredible, crazy story. You lived for nine years, correct? Nine right. years um, as a transgender man named Jake. Right. So let's go back to the root, the beginning of this, because how, how did you end up at a place where you started to feel like, I don't feel like I'm a woman. I feel like a man. Yeah, I think a lot of it was just over the years believing a lot of lies and it started really early. My um, my mom and I had a very difficult relationship. She was much closer to my brother. And I found out she'd lost two boys between my brother and I. And I was so jealous of the relationship that they had. And I thought, maybe mom wishes I had been a boy. Now, this is very early. But over the years, things reinforced that. I wasn't spending a lot of time with girls at home. And then so there was this awkwardness with other girls. And I, I felt like I didn't fit in. So it's like, well, I'm not like the other girls. And then, you know, over the years, that gets reinforced, and more and more, I was playing with my brother's toys, I was wearing his clothes. But by the time I got into high school and college, I I really had this deep anger and bitterness towards women. I didn't get along well with my sister. I just didn't get along well with the girls at school. So I had really kind of cut women off, but I started being horribly mistreated by men because I was in so much sexual sin. I was giving everything they wanted and yet being dumped and rejected and abused just over and over and over again. I finally thought, you know, the reason this never works out, the reason I'm never happy is because I was supposed to be the man. You know, if I was a man, I know how to treat a woman. And I had been in porn for years, getting deeper and deeper into porn addiction, and that was feeding this fantasy and me fantasizing about what if I had been the man. And eventually I got to a point where I was so desperate. I'd never even heard the word transgender back then. That was 2007. But I started looking it up on Google and found thousands of people that felt like I did. I was like, this is it. This is the answer. So you started going, and this is like what people are talking about now with TikTok and right. some of these other things. Like, you know, the algorithm, you go into it, and then suddenly you're getting all the videos you're getting right. are whatever the topic is, right? Right. Back then, that wasn't even really happening as much, but you start searching for it. You had all these feelings. You know, it started with your mom, that relationship. And it's interesting that it was kind of like a slow process for yeah. you to kind of arrive now, at what point do you say, you said it's around 2007, do you kind of announce this to other people? Yeah, you know, and it was, it, it started a little bit slow because there was a lot more shame back then. It wasn't like a thing that society celebrated back then. It was weird. People didn't know what to do with it. Um, but yeah, just slowly telling people, and I had a job where I was only known as male, or, well, they knew I was trans, but they allowed me to transition. And, you know, the more I embraced that, I started with hormones and began to grow facial hair. My voice began to get a lot lower. And the more people affirmed me, the more I began to believe that. And it was just reinforcing it all the time. But the weird thing was I knew it was fake. But it was always like, well, this next step, whatever this is, 
that that will make it more real. Were you angry you know? if people wouldn't affirm it? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's almost you know, a silly question, I would right. imagine. Yeah, yeah, you were. I mean, so how did you handle that? Well, and back then it was a little different just because society wasn't celebrating it at large. So there was a little bit of, um, okay, you know, I know you didn't know, but... You know, you need to do, do let me it this edu- way. Let me educate you. Right, right, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, and, and my parents, of all people, they they were not willing to um, call me Jake. They didn't use male pronouns. And it was, they. I remember the pain in their faces. I knew they loved me deep down. You know, I was always trying to manipulate them into doing what I wanted. But it, it was frustrating for me. But they were such a testimony to me of Christ because they would say, you know, we, we love you. We will do anything for you. And they had proven that over the years. But the reality was they loved Christ more. And that was such a testimony to me of their faith. Yeah. So as you're, so you're living this out, but you're seeing them like, okay, they love Jesus more. And where were you faith-wise at that point? Like your upbringing, was it part of your upbringing? And as you were making this transition, was it something that was kind of in the back of your mind at all? Not really at first. I had really walked away from Christianity completely. I, I was raised in a Christian home, and, but I'd heard about God intellectually, but I didn't, know, I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't know that I hadn't been born again because I was told I was a Christian all my life. You know, I'd prayed the little prayer, got baptized, but I didn't know that I had never known the Lord. I, I didn't know that I'd never been born again. And so it was like, well, that didn't have the answers. I completely rejected God. I told him I'd never serve him again walked away from the, I wanted to be the opposite of a Christian. There were times in high school I was praying to Satan, asking Satan to keep people from coming to know Jesus. And wow. so I, I wanted nothing to do with the Lord, but yet my parents were such a testimony and other people as well. But over the years, my parents at first really tried to fix me. They were devastated by what I was doing. But as they surrendered me into the Lord's hands and really began to allow the Holy Spirit to work in them, because they had a, we, I was raised in kind of a legalistic religion but as they begin to understand that God wanted them to really surrender to him, let the Holy Spirit work in them and let him do their, his work in them instead of them trying to do it for him, if that makes sense. You know, they were checking the right boxes, doing the right things, but not with that relationship. And so now they begin to be transformed over those years. And as they were transformed, I kept seeing this change in them. And it made me curious, even though I didn't really want it. I'm kind of observing. And I was like, something is happening to them. So let's talk about the nine years. You go through this nine-year process of living as Jake. And I would imagine when you make a definitive decision like that, you take actions that are maybe not reversible, that are very difficult. But in that moment, you think this is going to be who I'm going to be. This is it. Right. When, during that nine years, did you start to say, wait a minute, maybe this isn't who I am? Right. Well, you know, it started, just a little bit of doubt started creeping in, like, after my uh, chest surgery. And in one sense, I was on top of the world. It was the greatest thing ever. You know, I looked like I had a man's chest. But there was this realization that it hadn't made me a man. And I felt so stupid. It was like, why did I think cutting off the breast was going to make me a man? Women have mastectomies all the time for medical reasons. So that, that clearly didn't make me a man. And then I thought, well, it's because I still have all these female organs. Once I have the female organs removed, you know, then I'll have nothing female. Um, and I had a hysterectomy and had all the ovaries removed. Well, that still didn't fix it. But when I started looking into the genital reassignment surgeries, I didn't realize until then how bad these surgeries are. First of all, how fake it was going to be. Um, just terrible options. And then on top of that, there are so many horrible complications. 
I've heard of a girl that's permanently in a wheelchair because they damaged the nerves so bad. There's another girl that's had 31 corrective surgeries because it's gone, and many, many other horror stories. Those are just two I point to. Um, and on top of that, they, the research at the time said 40 to 60% would lose all sexual feeling permanently. And I just realized with horror that I was never going to be a man, no matter what I did. And I started understanding... Well, I really didn't understand it all then, but I started to realize that no matter what I did, I was not going to be a man. I could have this outer appearance of a man. Everybody could think of as a man, but I knew the truth inside, and so I was constantly having to override that truth. It's like in Romans 1 where it says they suppress the truth and unrighteousness. I knew the truth the whole time, but I was constantly trying to override it and trying to convince myself and others it was true. And I would imagine be angry again when, when others wouldn't endorse that. Right. So when you start to realize these things, the doubts start to creep in. Um, I know that there's a faith aspect here, too, that there's a point where you kind of break down, and it's before you make the decision to detransition. But let's talk about that. You find Christ. What was that process like in the middle of this? Right, yeah. It's, it's such an amazing journey. It reminds me so much of the book of Hosea where, you know, God pursued this, this bride that didn't want to be pursued because I was running away from the Lord, and yet he's drawing me the whole time and showing me, speaking to me through so many different things, through radio, um, through dreams, through I, people, random encounters. And so this whole time my parents are praying, and I look back. They didn't know God was answering their prayers, but the whole time God is just wooing me little by little. And eventually I was working on a website for my mom's Bible study just to earn some money. I, I didn't have interest in the Bible. But God began to reveal himself to me through this and show me how he, um, like who he was. You know, there's a verse in Romans that says it's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. And on top of that, I began to see the transformation of my mother. She was so radically changed from the mother I grew up with. And she was filled with such peace I had never seen in her. All I saw in my mom growing up was stress and all of a sudden, she had this peace I couldn't explain, and I wondered what she had. So I gave my life to the Lord, but I was going to be a man of God. So yeah, you're thinking, right. like, at that point, I've already, I've had this transition. Here I am. I've done these surgeries. I've, I'm, gonna, I'm a Christian now. I'm going to continue being Jake because this is who I am. It's really fascinating, too, that, you know, God's working on you this whole time. And I think, like, these stories are really complicated. Like, people would just say, oh, well, you get, you get saved immediately, and like all that's gone and you but but that's not real like life is way more complicated than right. that and these situations are so you then you say you're going to be a man of god then what happens yeah you know and it's just like you said it's such a messy process we want to be all neat and right tidy and it's and, not it's not right, neat. it's not it was such a painful difficult journey i can't even describe what i went through as, as god was convicting me little by little it was gentle god was never shaming and condemning me but it was always this this conviction and he would use various things. There were so many things that had an influence, so many verses. You know, because people will say, well, this verse really meant that or that verse really meant that. But when the Holy Spirit started to get a hold of me, the whole Bible was telling me I couldn't be transgender. And it was like he would use the weirdest things to convict me, um, and like things that didn't seem related. And I, I, had a, uh, I heard a sermon once by Charles Stanley that uh, he, he must have said the word obedience 500 times. <laughs> I mean, I was just like, I remember feeling about this big. <laughs> And I knew God was calling me out of that. And he finally, I saw myself in this deep, dark pit I couldn't get out of. And he reminded me of Matthew 16 where it says, If anyone will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever will save his life shall lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake shall find it. For what does it profit a man again the whole world and yet forfeit his own soul? 
And so that was the point where God was asking me, it was like the disciples that were fishermen, you know, drop your nets and just come and follow me. And he was asking me literally just to walk away from it all. It was the hardest decision I've ever made. And I remember as I was kind of selling my things and getting ready to move home, it was so painful. And I couldn't even conceive of myself as being a girl again. I thought, God, this is too hard. This is too big for me. So that was, I mean, this is painful for you to think about going back. Yeah. I just, I couldn't even imagine my life as a girl again. The first time I went shopping for female clothes, I cried hysterically. I cried so hard for 20 minutes, I couldn't drive home until I kind of calmed myself. And this whole thing, I remember, like, I went to a pawn shop to sell my men's watch. I was selling a lot of my possessions. And I remember thinking, I don't know how I'm even putting one foot in front of the other. I don't know how I have the strength to do this because this is too hard for me. And I look back and I think, Jesus, it was like that picture of Jesus carrying the lamb over his shoulders. Because I didn't have the faith or the strength. But somehow this little yes that I gave to him, just this, this willingness to trust him, even though it was too hard. And then I I moved home with my mom and dad, which was the last thing on earth I wanted to do. But I knew that's what God was asking me. Got rid of all the male things. And I thought I was going to be miserable the rest of my life. I honestly thought I'll never feel like a girl again. I'll never look like a girl again. But I knew that I'd be okay in heaven. I knew that I would have a redeemed body. And I knew I wouldn't have a sin nature. I knew everything was going to be okay. It's like if I can just grit my teeth and bear it until then, I'll be fine. But over the years, God peeled away the layers of all the lies, all the pain. I began to let go of all the bitterness. I began to forgive those that had hurt me. I began to, uh, God began to reveal so much more sin. And as he peeled away me like an onion and got to the core of who I was, I looked back one day and I was like, all that had faded away. And it wasn't an instant moment. I mean, there were, there were moments of like, you know, these aha moments, but it was a long journey and a process of God redeeming and transforming me. And now, like I, I told you earlier, I'm now engaged to be married. God has it's completely amazing. It's amazing. transformed my life. And so now it's like, this is why I'm so passionate about helping others. Because I know what it's like to believe there's no way you could ever change. In our own flesh, I could have never fixed myself. I could have never changed my feelings. But God has done a redemptive work in me that I never could have even dreamed possible. Well, and now let's talk about the fact, you know, before we sort of round out here to the end, but culture has made some significant changes. This is an issue that is emerging and popping up. You're reading about it every day. I mean, it seems like now in the headlines. What is that like for you as somebody who has gone through this journey to not only watch what's happening, but to also see that stories like yours, let's be honest, people try to conceal them and hide them, and they don't want people to even have a voice to share them, which is very bizarre to watch. Right. It is. It's so heartbreaking because not only do I know just the truth of my own life, but as I've studied this, God has given me a passion to study and to teach about his design of male and female. And I've learned that scientists have discovered there are over 6,500 biological differences between men and women. And I think, you know, it's the second thing God, God says he created them in his image. The very next thing he says is that he created them male and female. It's the first thing declared over a child. It's a boy. It's a girl. Well, it was until we decided to have babies, as right, people yeah. say, and yeah, not declare the new, their gender. The new fad. But the reality is, I think being male or female is so profound in, um, to who we are. And God has been showing me that his design is very intentional. And I think it's because there's probably many more reasons that God has. But I think it's because it points ultimately to Christ and his bride, which is the reconciliation of God to man. And it's something so important to God. But I think if we will embrace who God has created us to be, that's when we will truly thrive and flourish. 
And like you said, you're getting married now. I mean, your yeah. life has just transformed. Is it is it hard to share your story in a world where people will – I'm sure people come after you. I'm sure you hear all sorts of things. Is that tough? Sometimes, you know, but, but God gives me such compassion for them. Uh, you know, and there, there's a verse in Psalms where he talks about that he will hide us in the secret of his presence from the pride of man. He will keep us secretly in his pavilion from the strife of tongues. And I experience that, you know, when people are coming after me and you've got protesters and you've got people saying such hateful things, God gives me in that moment his love for them. And I feel his presence and I just feel compassion for them. I know they're deceived and I want them I want them to know what I know now because I would have been in their shoes, you know, many years ago. But I know what God has for them. Yeah, and it's um I mean there's there's so much really in your story that just stands out and really it's the redemption. It's Amen. the you know, these are the stories that people do need to hear. And look, if somebody's listening and they don't agree and they okay, fine, you don't agree, but <clears throat> to not allow people to share their story, I think that you know, when 2020 did, I think it was 2020 a segment they did a show on this. I remember, yes. Yeah. And they took so much heat for doing it. You know, how dare they tell? Well, they're telling people's story, right? I mean, this is what they're doing. And, right. you know, at a time where redemption stories are more needed than ever, at least in my life, I appreciate you speaking yeah. out. Thank Thanks you so much. so much. And it just, I love the verse that says, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Amen. Great way to end. Thank you so much. Thank you. That was Laura Beth Perry, and now Trey is here with me to talk about that incredible testimony. Trey, what was your, I've got a lot of thoughts, but what was your big takeaway at the end of that interview? Yeah, I mean, there's so much to her story. It's it's incredible to see where she started, then having lived several years presenting as a male, and where she is now. I mean, th- there is so much, like you said, there's so much there. And I'm glad that we have her on just because I think my biggest takeaway is the fact that she is representative of so many people. Uh, we act like in society, there, you know, these are the outliers. Uh, people have detransitioned. It's not all that common. Uh, you know, people are, are, are feel so much better about themselves living as, quote unquote, their true selves. When in reality, these problems don't go away. Uh, and I think her story just highlights that, uh, the fact that, that these are, are huge issues uh, and just presenting as a male or female doesn't make them go away. And I think her story is indicative of that, is demonstra- de- demonstrative of that. Uh, so I think it's, it's great to highlight her story. And there again, there's just so much there. But I think the takeaway is God's provision through all of it is incredible. Yeah, and it's a journey, and he'll sustain you. It may, you may not have the same journey. I mean, let's be honest. The vast majority of humanity does not have the same journey that Laura was on. But you know, God will guide us through whatever difficult journey we're on when we trust him. And that was the part for me, just mm-hmm. her trust of God throughout this. And I think as, as people who have worked in media, as journalists and storytellers, you know this, I know this, stories like hers are not told. There's a right. real... I would say restriction from the top down in not, and and in fact, when outlets have tried to tell these stories, they've gotten a lot of heat for it. And so in my mind, she has every right, just as anybody else to have her amazing story be told. And so that's why I'm glad that we did have a chance to, to tell it. Yeah. And you know, so much of this comes down to identity and finding your worth and knowing your value um, and I think maybe as Christians, we haven't, we've put the cart before the horse maybe sometimes, and we haven't uh, helped to explain to people 
that the gospel says that you're created in God's image. First and foremost, you're an image bearer of God and have innate value. Uh, and then from there, out of an abundance of, uh, of God's grace and his love for you, uh, pours out a desire to be obedient uh, to his design for uh, humanity, his design for sexuality. So I think sometimes we put the cart before the horse and that we're, we're condemnatory of somebody for living a certain way when they're outside of Christianity, uh, when in reality, we need to first approach them with telling them that they are valued and they're treasured as an image bearer of God and that God wants to just pour grace upon grace upon grace into their lives. But first, and this is the countercultural part, you have to have a, uh, a repentant heart. And I think that's so difficult in our day and age when you know, people are telling you to follow your truth and to, to follow what your heart tells you and to do what you desire. And you, know, you do you uh, because that's, that's the best thing. But the reality is, is that we need to repent of our desire to be selfish, of our pride, of our arrogance, uh, and say, look, I don't have all the answers maybe, just maybe, uh, what God says in his word is written there for a reason. Maybe there's a reason for the design. And I think her story just highlights that there is a profound reason for God's design for sexuality. Absolutely. And and I think, too, this idea that she spoke about of, of lies being told, of believing mm-hmm. lies, and hearing her explain how every step she went through, right, you know, getting her top surgery, you know, referring to the removal of her breasts and then going for other procedures after that. Every time thinking, if I just do this next thing, it'll make me a man. Then the truth will become a reality. And her inevitable feeling that there was no way actually to make that truth, that that truth she wanted to be a reality, that she was a female, that she, that's how she was born and that's how God made her. In light of what you just said, that really stood out to me and it's heartbreaking. I mean, this is not an easy mm-hmm. journey. And I think she was really honest about that, that going to shop for female clothes the first time was heartbreaking. She broke down. This was difficult for her. And yet that shining light of trusting Jesus throughout it all and following him, it really is convicting because I think a lot of us, we we just kind of get trapped in that cultural binding of following the self, yeah. right? Even when we're believers. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think also Laura's story kind of highlights that God holds mercy in one hand and grace in the other, right? Because uh, he's withholding from us what we deserve. Uh, he's not giving us what we deserve, which is condemnation and, and damnation. Uh, so that's that's his mercy. But then uh, he doesn't just stop there, but he gives us grace that we don't deserve. Uh, so, you know, he's withholding the bad and he's extending the good that we shouldn't be getting in this life. Uh, and you, her, it, that is on such profound display, I think, in Laura's story that she's gone from from where she started, living nine years as a male and, of course, having to deal with the devastating consequences of that, which she will spend, I'm sure, the rest of her life having to just learn to process and, and live with. But God is still in that extending such grace to her and that she's getting married. She's engaged, uh, you know, as obviously living now as a woman engaged to a man. I mean, just wow, to think God's provision and the love that he's showing her uh, through bringing her a spouse, uh, despite all of the things that she's been through, all of the struggles she's been through, God is still blessing her even more. Well, yeah. And I think that that moment too, where she said she finally resigned herself to just believing that she would never 
be what she wanted to be and that she would mm-hmm. only find that healing after death, that she had this hope that mm-hmm. after she died, she'd have a redeemed body. She would get back to the place where she knew she was meant to be. And yet God, as you were just saying, redeemed all of that. And as the years went on, brought her to a place of acceptance and healing and forgiveness. And I mean, there's so much more in that story. It, it was actually remarkable to me that we were able to tell that story and have that conversation in, in like 20 minutes. I mean, it was just, there's so yeah. much, there's so much to it, but she did such a beautiful job of, of breaking it all down. Uh, before we go, do you have any other final things you want to drive home about her story? You know, I think this is, it was probably, it, it didn't get a lot of time at the beginning when she was talking about it, uh, but I think it's, it would left a mark on me to think uh, how her parents' faith and particularly her mom, um, it, it was a good reminder to me as a believer that we have to get our spiritual house in order and we have to know that we are pursuing God's will for our lives, that we're you know following after what scripture says, that we're being obedient to God's word because we never know who's watching uh, or what impact it's making on people. You know, our life is, it's a cliche, but it's true that our lives are a testimony and often we're the only Jesus people see. Uh, and, you know, to see that, you know, her parents were just praying privately, you know, just living their lives. Her mom's just living her life as a believer. And yet that is what was slowly God was using to woo Laura to himself. It just, it, it, I think that is a profound takeaway uh, from her story. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we will leave it at that on the prodigal stories podcast. You can tune in next week for another episode of the show. And, you know, actually we we're probably going to have another episode this week, which is exciting. So you could tune in tomorrow, Thursday, actually for another episode of the show and trade as always, this has been a blast looking forward to the next one. Oh, and before I forget, because this is important, You can actually listen to the show on multiple platforms, on Apple, on Edify, pretty much everywhere podcasts are heard, and we will see you tomorrow for another episode of the show.